0: Thanks. Welcome, Hello. bienvenidos, hola, aloha, nihao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, so guten talk, jawi, viva cat bang, half a day, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, from the left behind coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Kilitary Industrial core, poor nation, in the post constitutional cheese covered uh, corruptocracy, democracy, criminocracy of the United Stakes of Listeria, home of Uncle Salmonella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and I am just getting ready to head out the door. What am I doing doing a radio show when I need to be heading down uh, Interstate 5 to Los Angeles for LA Reggae Vegan Fest this Sunday. I can't believe it's already this Sunday. It seems so far in the distant future when, uh, when it was just, you know, just a, a mere thought as uh, Daisy and I were driving along thinking, ah, what the world needs is an LA Reggae Vegan Fest. Um, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. Uh, I have to think about these things, you know, every time I do an event, I, and when it's over, I say, ah, oh, never again, never again, don't ever let me do an event again, and then that kind of wears off, and then along comes the thought, like, yeah, it would be great to have a day out at Woodley Park from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday, October 7th, and just have a, have a kid's show, started off with Jamaica Bob. Also, um, Our guest on today's program, Dr. Antenna Roba, is speaking at LA Reggae Vegan Fest, and he'll be talking right after um, Jamaica Bob's children's show, talking to parents about why it's important for the kids to go vegan, Antenna Roba, MD, also president of the International Fund for Africa. Uh, He'll be talking Monday night at Rahel's vegan restaurant, (laughs) Rahel's vegan Ethiopian restaurant, in Los Angeles at 6 30. He'll be talking about his new book, Africa and Her Animals, and also the environmental impact on Africa of the African-American diet. And also on today's program, we have Loretta Green-Williams. She's the creator of uh, Caribbean Magazine, and we will be having a fascinating discussion of rasta rastafari and the roots of reggae from back in the 1930s we will talk about everything from ital yes ital is vegan we'll talk about ganja the music all the uh, culture of reggae coming up on today's program as we immerse ourselves into the culture of reggae on sunday october 7th at woodley park uh, if you're listening to this days in advance, uh, you still have... Well, it's your last chance for discount tickets. So go to LAREggeVeganFest.com. You can still save a few dollars or come on out uh, and uh, we'll accommodate you at the door. And an amazing day it is. As I said, come out early, bring the kids. Kids 12 and under are free. And we have the Kids Show with Jamaica Bob starting at 10.30 in the morning. And as I mentioned, uh, Antenoroba will talk to parents about children's health right after that. And then musically on the stage throughout the day, uh, we will then have the Simpkin Project and L'Amour and the Mystic Band, Ja, Mikey. We will have Sister Carol, Bushman, Maccabee, Glenn Washington. This is A-list international reggae superstars all day long and if you do happen to have the munchies that day well it's uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's uh, munchie paradise LA reggae vegan fest so check out the website and we are happening and I do have to hit the road so I'm going to uh, rush on out of here and we'll uh, we'll have a this is a fascinating show for you coming up regarding uh, reggae culture going back to Jamaica Starting in the 1930s, and by the way, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest uh, has the only solution, really, to saving Jamaica, to, to saving all the Caribbean or Caribbean islands, um, because the only solution uh, for climate change is going vegan. The only solution for climate change is living ital. That's what will save Jamaica from rising sea waters and the incredible. Uh, extreme weather that uh, the world is experiencing because people eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. That's really what it comes down to. If you don't believe me, well, listen to the lead researcher of the study out of Oxford University. What was that program uh, episode? Was it 624? Joseph Poor a few weeks back. It's uh, in the archives at goveganradio.com. Uh, the most amazing study, a five-year study from Oxford University on the environment determines that the best thing we can do for the environment is go vegan. It would transform the world. Uh, We we use so much land for animal agriculture. We would free up the land the size of Africa if we were to go vegan, and we can end the mass extinction. We still can feed everybody. I mean, it's it's win-win-win when it comes to going vegan. So we do have amazing speak throughout the day at LA Reggae Vegan Fest go to the website Veganfest.com, check out the speaker page and you can get your tickets there or at the door so I do want to thank uh, evolution vegan dog and cat food for uh its support of the radio show all these many years evolution has now come out with an organic variety so check out evolution vegan dog and cat food and also we want to thank uh we want to thank um Vegetarian House in San Jose, it kicked things off with the first donation to get us happening for LA Reggae Vegan Fest. If for any reason you can't make it to the show but you still want to support, you like the idea of LA, uh you like the idea of vegan and reggae together, you can make a tax deductible donation at goveganradio.com. The website is goveganradio.com. Continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter, at GoVeganRadio Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. For your musical pleasure, Radio Bobby, Radio com, And for the event of a lifetime, the first ever LA Reggae Vegan Fest, the website is LA Reggae where you can buy tickets and um, LA Reggae Vegan Fest is got, is getting a lot of attention all over the world. There's so much excitement about it. Um, I, w- I wish I were feeling it sitting in a room here filling out health department forms, fire department mm-hmm. forms, insurance forms, but everybody's getting excited about LA Reggae Vegan Fest Sunday, October 7th at Woodley Park in Van Nuys. And my next guest contacted me regarding it, and um, she is Loretta Green-Williams, Caribbean Magazine, she's the creator of Caribbean Magazine, correct me if I'm not, Get help me with the pronunciation, Loretta. You're Lorena. right about it, you're good, you're it? good. I got it? I got it, okay. <laughs> you <good. Yes. laughs> um, Which uh, is described as a fashion-forward lifestyle magazine for Caribbean diaspora women, and so, Loretta uh, wrote me with regard to covering the event, and suddenly I'm in the midst of all of these cultural questions about a reggae vegan fest. And so I see here, Loretta, you describe yourself as a post colonial theorist, so that may come into play on this. And Loretta has had a, a career in uh, health for. 20 years um, and has uh, been on many community boards of influential organizations and I find your academic background interesting uh, with studies in the humanities, doctoral in social and cultural anthropology at the California Institute of Integral uh, Studies. Uh, MA in sports and fitness. Wait, did, that didn't sound like the first one that I just Well, maybe it is. Maybe they're at, maybe everything's tied together. Uh, MA in sports and fitness management. After the anthropology, you gotta work out, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> a BA in sociology with a certificate in ethnic studies, um, all from the University of San Francisco, and post professional certification in intercultural. Conflict management from the Summer Institute for Intercultural Communications, Pacific University, Portland, Oregon. Well, with a background like that, it sounds like we can talk for hours about everything, and and it's fascinating to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can we can start with uh, with the L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest and your interest in that, and. Um, Absolutely. You know, because you you did uh, you know there have been people uh, in social media there they look at it and they say, well, is it Ital? and then people respond and they go it's vegan same same and so um and and i have always felt that reggae and vegan go well together i'm i'm basically i'm a vegan activist so um i'm maybe i'm a vegan activist with an ear for music because i had a professional career in radio where i actually had to pick the music that went on the radio stations and it, it it went uh, from uh, from rock to reggae and and you know all kinds of great music in fact that's what you would hear if you were to go to radio bobby uh, com, and I, I hope by the time we have LA Reggae Vegan Fest, we'll have an app for Radio Bobby. So um, I've always loved reggae music. I think it's so it's positive, and uh, you know, feels so good, and you know, it 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 feels like vegan to me. And <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm a vegan activist, and you know, I I'm not really all that familiar with. The, the you know the roots the roots of ital and reggae and and you know from jamaica and what what do i really know i'm throwing a party with good food and great music but what what am i doing what what i'm, I'm in the midst of of uh, something cultural that i don't even know loretta it seems uh, so uh I, you know there's an interesting historical perspective here we discussed on the phone a while back so um take it away loretta Where'd you go? I don't hear you.
1: Can you hear me, Bob? Can you hear me? Now,
0: now I do. Now I do. Yeah. Okay.
1: So. I said, thank you so much for having me, Bob. Uh, we had, last week we had a very fun conversation and sharing with the, the social cultural components of uh, Rastafarianism.
0: Oh, you're breaking up there. Let me see. Hmm.
1: Okay. Here I am with the there Rastafarianism. Um, we were talking about the aspects of the cultural components um, that originated in Jamaica. And because of my background from an anthropological perspective, and as well as being um, Cuban and Jamaican, um, there's a strong alliance in reference to the cultural heritage of understanding so i just wanted to share that information so i'm really excited about the idea that you're bringing in the vegan side of it and so i wanted to share with you and your audience the ital side about it and how rastafarianism has always been uh, prolific in the aspects of, of vegan uh, relationship mm-hmm. um so as we know um so there's a couple of things that was interesting about our conversation, Bob. That I wanted to step back on is number one is um, the aspects of the culture of Rastafari. And when you hear a Rastafari, generally we will say Rastafari, but not Rastafarianism. And the reason why we don't add the isms and the ions into it is because in Rastafari culture, the identity of adding the isms and the um, the pretexts and the posttexts is attached to Babylon. And Babylon is the dominant relationship to oppression. So we kind of shy away from that. And while I'm not a Rastafari, I have family members that are and have been engaged with Rasta in its early origins in the 30s and 40s when Leon Howe, who is the founder of Rastafari, um began that engagement of conversation so one of the things that Rasta does is they believe is that the food is ital it's a liberty and what that is is the elevation of food that is coming directly from the ground that has no pesticides, no non-organic aspects to it of growth because the human body is natural and that's to stay and maintain its naturality therefore they're vegans. So that was like really cool. You didn't even know you had that attachment, huh, Bob? No, I,
0: n- not at all, really. You know, so so there's a yeah. I, I guess I just feel it through the music, but uh, you know, the, exactly. the attachment. I, I know that um, m- many um, many many people into reggae are vegan, and that we have uh, many performers who are vegan who have uh, vegan. Well, I hate to say veganism, and I don't like isms either, you know, like uh, uh, but they they have vegan eye in their um, music, you know, including yeah. uh, Maccabee, who's going to be at our event. And he he has songs about being vegan where he he says he's vegan. You know, I'm listening and it's blowing my mind to hear that and um, realizing that. Uh, that's that we have that cultural connection related to being vegan, um, and so so but but uh, so how did that come about? Like you, you said, they were theorizing about like how how did they decide like we should be vegan? What what was what was going on then? So in this the, is the in 1930s, the 19...
1: you're, you're saying right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rastafari uh, founder Leonard Howe in the 1930s created the concept of Rasta. And what he did is he was able to embrace three aspects of it. The first was that there that Halle Selassie I, who was the emperor of Ethiopia, Ethiopia was the reincarnation of Christ. And that was the first part of it. The second part is the belief in uh, Marcus Garvey, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, who believed in self-determination. And the aspect of that is uh, Africa for the African. And you know all about the the United Negro um, Improvement Association, UNIA, that, that actually started in Jamaica, but its largest prolific was here in Harlem, where I reside. I was born in Harlem in the 1920s during the Harlem Renaissance, where he had as many as a million um, members. Uh, throughout the world, um, and the aspect of the self-determination, which attached itself to Rasta. Then the third part of it is the purity of the body that was underpinned through the Old Testaments. And aspects of the Old Testaments they looked at is from an uh, Abrahamic aspect of it. So because of the Abrahamic line, and that attached you to the Dravetic line, you know, the King Solomon, King David line, which drew you into the Holly Selassie, because his dynasty is directly lineage attached to that, so that is the aspects of its theoretical construct,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the aspect of keeping the body clean and pure, close to the ground, safe to the ground, and respecting the earth.
0: And, and you were mentioning um, the and- the Old Testament in uh, r- regard uh, to that, um, of course. Uh- the the really the first commandment in the bible is to be vegan i i, I don't know why it's right in the front i don't know people i guess people skip by things quickly but genesis uh, book 1 verse 29 uh basically mm-hmm. says you know behold i have given you every plant on the face of the earth every tree with seed in it th- right. this will be your food period end of sentence you know yeah. go you know and then in the story you know, we yeah. we violate that Everything goes wrong. It seems that's that's my yeah. opinion. That violation of you know, thou shalt not kill. So suddenly we're we're eating violence and. The poor animals have to suffer uh be su- suffer and be killed, and the planet is destroyed because of our uh, wrong appetite because humans are herbivores, but uh, don't seem to realize it or or really brainwashed or the propaganda the propaganda from Babylon would they say or would, would you or would would that be yes. I because mean, i I hear some great songs again by Maccabee where he talks about you know the, the, you know that uh you know, they, they they mocked ganja, but now they find the cure for cancer or they, they want you to take a pill. You It's everybody exactly. take a pill from a guy in a tie or whatever. And it, so it seems like uh, you know, this, yeah. this Babylon situation is, uh, you know,
1: and depression. And okay, well, look, right? Peter Tosh said that. He, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Right. Well, Peter Tosh said it. 75. Legalize it. Don't criticize it. There's a reason for it. Because under the realms of Rastafari, you use ganja for reasoning. It helps to take you to a more spiritual, intellectual level. It is not used for um, the whole aspects of the enjoyment of getting high. And that's always been insulting to me because at one point I did wear locks. Um, now, I did not wear dreadlocks. I wore locks. There's a difference.
0: Tell us. Tell and, us about And I lived tell us right there them. in
1: 75. 70- Okay, so the purpose behind Rastafari and the hair is the relationship to um, um, Samson, that you know his power power came with his locks. So you let the hair grow naturally and you cover it because you don't want the disempowerment of your hair to Babylon. Uh, That's why Rastas cover their hair. Now, what is really interesting about that is that during the time of the ascetics um, of the Hindu religion that was coming over to Jamaica, because after the slave system ended in 1863, um, the British Empire started bringing in the the lower class Indians, the outcasts, and they were mostly Hindu in religion. And, and so you had the priest, that you knew the priest had made the level of achievement when they were, their hair would be locked, would be matted, and it would break off. And that's an aspect of the Hindu aspect as well as the Ganja aspect that is integrated into Jamaican culture under Rasta. Hmm. And so I wore locks because my hair was cared for. It didn't lock up and it. They were separate locks, individual that was taken care of and treated to make sure they created individual formations as opposed to um, dreadlocks locks is the matting or dreading of the hair where it has the appearance of the lion's mane and that's the difference between the two so when it's really interesting was when I started wearing the locks and going home to Jamaica uh, a lot of Jamaicans were confused because they weren't used to seeing locks so they thought I was a Rasta Mm -hmm. and they were confused because my hair was being revealed Um, and so as time went by more persons of African diaspora started using, you know, wearing locks, and they were able to understand the difference and make the distinction of the two. So that's where the hair comes in it.
0: Mm. Now, I, I find it interesting because, you know, people would say that, uh, oh, yeah, with the reggae music, they're, they're smoking pot, whatever, they're into drugs, whatever. And uh, what you're saying is that uh, uh, the purpose was for uh, enhanced thinking and.
1: And still is, and still is, mm-hmm. and still is, and that's the thing that's problematic. And unfortunately, Jamaica has gone through a social, political realm behind it because um, the United States' influence in Jamaica caused the, to a point, where it was problematic for even Jamaicans to have the natural herb, because we consider it a natural herb. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lower class of the of the Jamaican culture was the Rasta. The Rastas had to live in the mountains and they were really abused by their own people because of what their belief system was. It was not like the dominant. It was not like Babylon. And because of that, they separate, they had to separate themselves. What brought them into light was when reggae became attached really through Nyabenji, which was Rasta going into Nyabenji music that helped to create reggae music. Reggae music is really dissonance music. It's not a happy go ha ha music. It is decidence music. That's why you have Rastas when you start hearing about the what they're saying. It's a lot deeper than other music in reggae rhythms. So that's you can tell who is the individual because we call that conscious music. Conscious. Reggae music is conscious music, yes. Yeah. It shall enlighten and awaken you. But it all should also should make you feel, wow, am I really in alliance with this? Because there are things that are said, you go, "Whoa, that's hitting me hard." It still hits me today. Why? Because I'm an American of Jamaican diaspora. That's a whole nother ballgame.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, oh, so so talk about so, so it came out of w- what music? What was the word? You the the name um, for the beat? Nayabenji. No, Benji.
1: Nayabenji Naya Benji. is actually a drum that is a West African drum, and it, it attached itself to the rhythms because the drum. W- was still utilized in Jamaica, and it's attached to the Rasta, and the drum actually became a segment or a sect of the Rastafari, because now it's broken into three different sects, but the thing is, is that drum is used in reasoning. It is played to help you get to that spiritual space along with the earth herb.
0: I I can so relate to what you're saying here. As as the organizer of L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, I I may not have known to put this in words, but I certainly understand what you're saying. I mean, I can I I, I can relate to. Uh uh yeah mm-hmm. w- w- what you're saying there so so um so that so it started with the beat so you're saying for, so a lot of people you know a lot of people are being introduced to reggae i'm hearing from a lot of friends is like i don't reggae music i don't really know you know because some of my vegan friends don't know what reggae music is you know and um so you know they would be learning about this for the first time so so that particular beat you say um Comes from. Now, the the impression, the conclusion, or um, what I thought when we were discussing last week, it it occurred to me that uh, the uh, reggae beat then and reggae music, I believe you said, came from the purified body and enlightened mind, um, which means that there is a vegan basis to the reggae music itself that i mean this is what what i concluded even after what? thinking talking to you i thought like well reggae is like a product of vegan but i don't want to say ism not veganism cuz uh, but vegan vegan eye I, I don't know what i'm supposed to i hate,
1: i don't like no, ism well, either i and i that's why we say i and i um, so one of the things you have to realize is that the the aspects of vegan is is I-tow, which is what we call vegan Vegan, vegan eating, I tell is a natural act of Rasta. Rasta. It is a part of it. It's not separate, just like the music is not separate, just like the the natural herb is not separate. See, what becomes problematic in America is we have to categorize everything in order to understand it. We don't allow a fluidity to take place, um, a motion, a continuous motion to enhance our understanding. We have to stop it. Dissect it, block it, and move on. It's very different in other countries, including in the Caribbean. We can flow within spaces and get a total understanding and then discuss it and move on. That's the difference. So what you have to understand when it comes to ITAL, Rasta, reggae music from Naya Benji, that's all one. There's no one or it all became an evolution together and moved to where it is now now the only reason why Babylon knows about it is because of Bob Marley mm-hmm. if it were not for Bob I don't even know because the thing is is if you ask if I to ask you who is Peter Tosh do you know who Peter Tosh is
0: well I do yes
1: <laughs> well yeah but how many of you right? well, yeah because you know way
0: right from from way back though because I was into progressive music you know, long ago, so I knew of some reggae artists, and okay. I knew of Peter Tosh. So yes, um,
1: right. And Peter Tosh was, you know, grew up with with Bob Marley, and they they went, you know, they they blended together and to create Whalers. And Peter was one of the diehard believers that it was a natural herb, a true rasa that said no, it should not be criminalized. So that was an association of criminalization that. I- Attached to Rasta, hmm. which became problematic.
0: When when did it seem to be criminalized or so? Uh, I
1: mean, it always from its origin in Jamaica, It always from its origin, because you have to remember when Rasta started in the 30s. What who was over Jamaica at the time? It was a colony of the UK, of the Empire, of the British Empire. So. It came out of Jamaica, like uh, a lot of the English-speaking Caribbean countries came out of slavery and went right into colonization. So there still was an an ownership of self. There was always a prolific relationship to identity, but there was an ownership of self, and that was the problematic side. So now we have Mr. Howe comes up, the Gong comes up, and create a whole identity production, a a social political framework that we can say could be identified as a religious, a religiosity, if you want to call it that, and And that was a whole new mindset of a liberation discourse of those that have been oppressed for so long that they actually had a frame by using the Bible, by using ideological frameworks of those coming out of Jamaica already and creating a framework of a liberatory practice. Rasta is really a liberatory practice. What becomes problematic about it is what happened in the 80s when it started to transition over. It became so above lifelike that Rastas, a lot of Rastas had to go underground because it's like, wait, that's not who we really are. Why? First thing came up was the drugs. Why? Because the criminalization of the sleeps, mm-hmm. of the natural herbs. So if the if what they use is criminalized, the individual that use it is criminalized, and the collective of the individuals are criminalized. Mm-hmm. So who helped to lift that at some degree was Bob Marley. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always uh, been criminalized uh, here in the U.S. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, a lot of people were at Woodstock. So and I think that. A lot of people have found um, cannabis to be um, something that is conscious raising, you know, that is for thought, for you know, that raises raises thinking. Um, and uh, interesting, you should say that. So, um, yeah, yeah. So now you you were talking also about, I believe that um, the people who were in Jamaica. Uh, were those who were not sent off to um, the U.S. colonies or what was there was some distinction I think you mentioned in those who were, were kept in Jamaica and those who were sent to the
1: Okay. So one of the things we have to realize as Americans that we always look at 1614, you saw the African come, and that was the beginning of slavery. Technically, they were uh, indentured servants. They weren't really slaves. They happened to be African, but they were indentured servants. That's number one we need to make correct. The second thing we need to make correct in America is that the official um, documentation that created the slaveocratic system here in the United States occurred in 1661, and that was in Virginia. That's the second thing to correct. The third thing we have to correct is that slavery started in the Caribbean in 1514. Hmm. So there was a hundred years of slaveocratic systems and planocratic systems in place in the Car- Caribbean before it came into the Middle Americas. Right.
0: I think, now, I think the history was, books, yeah, the history books all put it in the early 1600s. So when you say 15, in 14, the middle of America, in the middle
1: 15,
0: of America. yeah, in, yeah, in the middle of America, in Virginia, basically, I think right. right. So um, and and who even? But think, they never like,
1: talk about the Caribbean, though. Not at all. They never. Yeah. Exactly. No. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what that became is it was called the seasoning as uh, the seasoning era place, and they would take slaves from Africa bring them into the Caribbean, if they broke them, took their language from them, took their identity in pride, then they brought them to America. If they could not break them, they'd either kill them or leave them in the Caribbean. Hmm. I see. Now, what we have to realize is that's the key there. Are you broken or aren't you? What happened is because of that lineage, you see how Rasta's can grow under a framework of identity strength. Mm-hmm. Because we know in Jamaica, it is the slaves that acquired independence for Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Nobody came and fought the battle, they fought the battle. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to be proud of, and that independence, that strength is still in us. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say we're arrogant. No, we're not arrogant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you, you talk about reggae also being um, really anti-oppression, and that's an element of uh, of vegan. You know, that's ba- a basic ele- element is that we're you know if you many if many people are vegan, including myself, to be against oppression um, of everyone, and especially those whom we don't even realize are oppressed uh, you know it's like uh, I, I often think you know there there have been you know the, we've symbolized like you know salutes in the air you know you hold your your fist up in the air in a leather glove you know and it is like but you know what about the cow who's the leather glove like uh, or um, you know there's the battle for higher wages at McDonald's but Who's being served on the bun, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, trying to fight for the, those who are ultimately, I believe, you know, the most depressed beings on the planet. And uh, I'm, I'm sure some higher thinking ganja smoking people pr- probably have come to that conclusion, too, that probably, I would imagine, would be a, a part of the thinking that uh, would would make one vegan also.
1: So that's really interesting. Um, my recommendation is to bring Rasas on the show, Bob, and you know really get their take on it. One of the things that you said that I really want to respond to is the glove in the ear. That happened in 1968 uh, when Carlos um, Smith did that at the 1968 um, at the Olympics. Mexican uh, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really interesting about that, the same thing he was battling in 1968, it's what, 2018, and we're still fighting the same battle. For human dignity, you know, and I I totally get it about the animals um, being a vegan myself. But when someone with a conscious can't have the dignity, how would the conscious of the unconscious who creates the unconscious for the conscious understand the lack of consciousness for their actions? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And the fact about the whole component of McDonald's, that's a whole nother conversation all by itself in regards to the subjugation of not only animal, of people, and the fact that they're willing to destroy bodies for the sake of economic growth. And that the fact they use that framework to tell people of color, you can acquire self-determination by placing that facility inside your community. Ah, so there's a lot more stuff that goes on with those conversations. You know, we can go sure. deep in that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, I've I've talked Dr. Milton Mills. I don't know if you know him. He's in the Washington D.C. area. He's been a guest on my show and at various events that I've done, and uh, just uh, very interesting discussions on everything from humans being herbivores to the uh, USDA dietary recommendations being racist. You know, in the sense that. Cheese and dairy are pushed on people of color, and most people of color are lactose intolerant it's, you know, yeah, and uh, the dairy protein is the number one carcinogen to which Americans are exposed you know i 'm just mm-hmm. you know people of color um really suffer from um you know the the heart disease cancer stroke diabetes that comes from the consumption of meat dairy fish and eggs and and Dr Mills was talking about how the traditional diets of Africa were vegan or as mm-hmm. close to close to vegan as can be and yeah. uh, and then he also called the meat dairy fish and eggs uh, being eaten plantation food slave
1: food i mean yeah the, it was all you could get all you, it was oh, yeah. it was a ch- Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all you can get. It was the cheapest, and you could grow it on your own. So of course you had to eat it. It was either that, or die, or starve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even when you look at soul food, a lot of people go, "Ooh, ooh, ooh." But listen, my grandparents were slaves. That helped them survive. There's no way I'm going to discredit it. I may not eat it, but I have to acknowledge where it placed me today. Mm-hmm. If they had not eaten that, where would I be today to make to have a choice? They didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So what we have to look at. Is the institution, institutionalism of the impact of racism that permeates everything that is done in in the in the for the sake of what is identified as humanity? Is it really humanity? Is it really who is being human? Who is being humanized? Who is being dehumanized? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh yeah, so uh, everything from school lunch program to vaccinations to to to, to, to all of that, really. It's, uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. But you got to remember this, and I'd love to share this because this is part of my theoretical construct. Why would the dominant release the oppressed when they have based their whole social and economic construct upon their back? If I have a hundred dollars, would I come to you, Bob? Here, I'm going to give you seventy-five of my hundred dollars. Why? Because you because you asked me.
2: <laughs>
1: but but you would make me that hundred dollars all along. Why did you want to do that? That's how you got to look at it. That's how I see it. I'm going. The dominant's not going to release its economic growth. The back of oppression is the economic growth of our society. That's just the way it is. Can it change? Yeah, it could change. Look how far we've come in in a little over 150 years. But look at what we had to go through to get there. And even when we say people of color, and I appreciate that, that, that comment, in America, the back of that development was on the former slave and the slaveocratic system. Now, everything else from the guidelines and the laws was based on that. How do you know that? Because when they were building the railroads and had all the Chinese that the Japanese sold to the railroad companies to bring the Chinese men here, the way they helped establish those guidelines was based on what was already in place on the slaveocratic system. They didn't have anything else to use. So they used what was in place, what they had in place for slaves. Mm-hmm. Ah, So we get, you know, and nobody want to call that out. I'll call that spade a spade. The slaveocratic system is the economic and the social construct of the American construct. Listen, it is the fiber of America. If you pull the fiber, you will unravel the thread. Therefore, it must be in place and sustained. But guess what? The threads are being pulled as we speak. That's the challenge.
0: So, um, and so, so in that context of saying post. Uh post-colonial theorist and what happens when things go right and and uh, there is that uh, um, freedom from uh, uh, the...
1: Uh, the reason why it goes right is because from, from a perspective, what it means is no longer be allowed the dominant to write and tell us how we're supposed to perceive ourselves. We will rewrite our own history, we will redirect our own history, and we'll reconstruct our own history based on our framework, very same thing that Rasta says, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, I think I think, I think things would go a lot better if uh, if based on uh, I, I definitely would trust uh, vegans uh, considering uh, you know our our present and future rather than you know what we what we have now. I mean it's basically a, you know just a warmongering, oppressive uh, society and. You know the, the the private prison system. There's the cheap labor, exactly. right? That's the continuation. There. Yeah. Continuation. It's a
1: continuation of the slaveocratic system, exactly. Yeah. And we know how that evolution came out of the uh, out of the right after slavery. What they, they did they do? The black codes, with the black laws. That was in place just to position the former slave into that subjugated position. Mm. So we have the slave labor now, which is the penal system. When you got over a million people in a system, come on, right? Why aren't right. we looking at that? Why aren't we looking? At that you know, and 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 what? And, 98% and busting of somebody
0: for marijuana, right? Brown. So so it's like let's bust yeah. everyone for marijuana. We have cheap labor, and we're busting them for uh, because they were thinking. <laughs> we didn't want them to think they they yeah. were using something that might make them think.
1: Right, but but now that we figured out a way that we can create an economic relation to it, it's cool. Because we got frameworks that we can draw the income in. Because you remember, marijuana didn't start to be um, illegal until 1910 in Texas. Why? Because Mex- Mexicans bringing it over was making money. Mm. So it didn't even start to be illegal in the United States until 1910. A hundred, what, almost 110 years later, uh, we can figure this one out.
0: Wait, you, 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 just, you, you, you broke up just a little bit there, so... Um... uh,
1: Oh, I said, I said, and just 110 years later, we're able to break that out because in 1910, that's when it became illegal, marijuana became illegal in the United States. And it's because it was being uh, produced and brought into the states through Mexico by Mexicans in Texas.
0: And they were making money, so we couldn't allow that. Exactly. Uh, But but also, there was the the whole war on hemp, uh, you know, because of, uh, I guess, Hearst and they wanted to make, uh, you know, hemp hemp seems to have, it it can make paper, clothing, I mean, you can make everything out of it, basically, and so there was the whole reefer madness thing, the reefer madness scare, and it seemed like the um, alcohol companies opposed it, um, pharmaceutical companies opposed it, you know, so uh, it had a lot of... uh, a lot of political power uh, behind uh, opposition to cannabis. Right, because or... that's
1: corporate. Exactly, that's what, and that's what corporate does. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. It's just being itself. It's being what it is designed to do: subjugate and oppress. That's mm-hmm. what it's designed to do.
0: And and by the way, so if I if I can equate this to my my, my vegan world also, um, we. Uh, I feel that we you know we we hear so much about white supremacy, but never really think about uh, you know the aspects of human supremacy where uh, we think you know well we we can do anything they the animals are lesser than we are, um so uh, so we have uh, so that we we think that uh, you know we're the uh, the 99 percent uh, even when we think we're the 99 humans are, are the one percent you know the all other species are the 99 so so we have uh i i believe speciesism and you know when you when you look at uh well, like the Jains, uh where the the, the jane religion and Jain monks who might wear a mask and and sweep in front of them so they don't hurt anybody you know i think the thinking is like if we if we think about uh the, the, those who who are considered the least among us maybe that would translate into uh respect and cooperation uh, with everyone you know
1: so, yeah yeah so, you know that, that yeah.
0: aspect of uh, consuming violence and we're consuming terror and we have a terrorist world you know i mean it just all seems to uh Uh, show itself like that so
1: exactly and it shows up and it shows out all the time and there has to be a location where the dialogue can set forth that there's viable solutions to help create frameworks where that can be deconstructed
0: and and number one well number one is by by the way to go vegan um I, my feeling is, you know, in looking at this uh, great musical event that we have with all the vegan food, L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest, L.A. fest.com I uh, also, in making it egomaniacally important, um, I might suggest that this is actually the way to save Jamaica, the way to save um, the Caribbean, all the islands, because of climate change and environmental devastation and eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs has proven to be the most destructive environmental action and, and force on the planet. Uh, beyond even, um, people think about climate change and global warming, but there are other environmental aspects too. But but uh, there have been top uh, top uh, environmental specialists who have estimated that uh, animal agriculture is responsible for as as over 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions. And I, yeah. I, I recently covered a study from Oxford University, a five-year study, um, that just said that the most important thing that we can do for the environment is to go vegan. You know, the in terms of deforestation, the number one cause of deforestation is cut down all the trees to feed the animals whom people mm-hmm. eat. And if, if we were to all go vegan, uh, well, we would end the mass extinction taking place right now because of all the land being eaten up by uh, humanity's wrongful diet. Uh, uh, that that an area the size of Africa uh, would be freed uh, if we were to go vegan. I mean, it's just the the uh, the transformation that uh, humans going vegan would uh, mean is is just mind boggling. And uh, that was an interview I did with. Uh, james poor some weeks ago from oxford and that's available uh on the archives at uh, goveganradio.com but uh if uh, if we really want to look at it in, in certain perspectives you know the the islands uh, seawater rising all of the uh weather uh catastrophes going on um those are based in eating meat dairy fish and eggs uh yeah so, so we are to- you know so so it being been so- proven
1: so the great thing about that is um, there are there are science environmentalists in the Caribbean that's doing great work around this, and discussions are going forward, including surprisingly enough with the Caribbean Tourism Organization. They're one of the uh, forerunners and allowing these conversations to go forward in a collective perspective so i'm looking forward to the time that they can actually you know continue that conversation with you um as time goes by because there is work being done and again this is the way um presentations are are extended because you may not know that all this work is being done and there's great work being done but nobody knows about it except those in the Caribbean Mm
0: -hmm. yeah sure so uh yeah. So, um, and then the it, it seemed to me that you did say that really in order to be uh, true, Rastafari or uh, one has to be vegan because Ital really is vegan, right? It's not like uh, you know, like uh, uh, like. <laughs> The uh, lacto, no, lacto, lacto-ovo vegetarians who are really nothing, but it's just kind of an excuse. So it's not really like lacto-ovo ital. That doesn't exist. That that wouldn't no. be right, right? No.
1: So. Um, the word ital actually came from vital. Mm-hmm. And what Rastas did is they actually took the V off because the, the vocabulary around Rastafari um, is to signify uh, unity. Um, as you speak uh, with all of your all regarding nature, so that's why it's I and I, I tell because the I becomes a collective or a universal um, plural singular. Mm-hmm. It brings us all under that umbrella. So we talk about uh, we increase um, the levity.
0: The levity, um, right? Yeah, yeah. I so and, this past week I I may I. May have made a a boo boo a, a no no because I posted and I said well give me the V from vegan and put it with Ital and you have vital you know so um, right. which and it's vital that we go vegan um, yeah so uh, yeah the uh, so yes it, it is purely vegan Ital would be purely vegan there aren't those asterisks that yes. Yeah. No,
1: it has nothing to do. You there's no additives in the food. There's no coloring, no flavoring, no preservatives, no salt, no iodized salt, um, no no artificial at all. They we do use the pure uh, sea or kosher salt um, from time to time, Mm -hmm. but other than that, the the restrictions are no chemicals. Ital is strictly from the ground.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, what else have we uh, – Oh, I, well, I haven't uh, identified that we're talking to Loretta Green-Williams of the uh, – Car- well, so again, people sometimes don't know whether to say Caribbean or Caribbean, right? So, yeah,
1: and they're, and they're both really right. It depends on where your dialect is and you can always tell where someone is from. If you're from the, um, the West, you're going to say Caribbean. If you're from the Caribbean, you're gonna say Caribbean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so the magazine is Caribbean. me magazine. Yes. See, uh, yes. So, t- tell me about the magazine, then. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Okay, so it's a fashion-forward magazine for Caribbean diaspora women, and it evolved um, last year with myself and my daughter. We we collaborated in doing a documentary here in New York. It was called me. Uh, New Yorkers of the Caribbean Diaspora, and what we wanted to do is show uh, the diversity of Caribbean people here in New York. Um, a lot of times when you think about Caribbean people, all you think about is music. It's either pan music or reggae music. Um, it's either just carnival or just um, a levity that is is part of our our personality and our culture but it's not all of it. So we had a wonderful opportunity to interview these wonderful people um Dr Roy Hastick, who is the founder and president of the Caribbean American Chamber of Commerce uh which is 82 year uh, third I'm sorry 32 years old and um it is the oldest Caribbean American Chamber of Commerce here in the states. Um Everybody knows Major Hype. He is called the King of Caribbean Comedy. We interviewed him. Dr. Salima um, Fergus, she is the uh, cardiovascular uh, director for um, a major um, hospital here, Mount Sinai, here in New York, Um um, and there were several others that we interviewed, so we were really excited about that. And so as that conversation went forward, my daughter and I, we were we were thinking, how can we continue the conversation, thus the magazine? And the wonderful thing about the magazine, the reason why we say Fashion Forward, because that is the venue to bring you into the magazine. After that, you, we start into discussions. Example. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I was just laughing because I'm, I'm a music forward. Uh, <laughs> I'm a music forward vegan, so that brings yeah, you in, yeah. and then you hear about vegan.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're doing. And the example is we're doing a shoot about Harlem, the the, um, the life of Harlem, and so there will be several historical articles that I'm writing in regards to the Caribbean relationship to Harlem and how its identity was framed around Caribbean community that sometimes get lost in the translation of conversations um we will be um addressing um, the fashion components of Harlem and, and the structural uh development of Harlem and its continuation and even with the uh gendering the gentrification that is happening now there are bits and pieces of the true Harlem that still exist and so we want to record that and chronicle that before there's a major shift and you don't see it anymore um, so that's what the magazine about and since I am a post theorist and I'm, I'm heavy into the aspect of um, the theoretical frameworks, I've got like theories on everything hmm. and, and this is an too aspect. Much, of Too work.
0: much ganja there. Too much yeah. ganja. Theories too on everything. That it yeah, leads to theories on everything, right?
1: yeah surprisingly enough I don't smoke so check that one out ah,
0: ah not enough ganja yeah. there not enough gan- oh sorry
1: not enough, yeah, I don't even spoke, but yeah <laughs> but so that's the interesting thing and what we want to do is bring the Caribbean diaspora from a global perspective together under the framework
0: is I'm sorry is diaspora a word that some people may not know should I say like what what, what do you mean diaspora just in case just in case. It's a big right. word.
1: So, so diaspora is really interesting. Is is a force, a voluntary or involuntary movement from one um, regional location to the other, from an original location to a new location. Force. So is when that, we say
0: force movement, you said like involuntary. Forced,
1: yeah. Voluntary or involuntary. Oh,
0: either. Okay.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So every or every culture component have had some level of a diaspora. Mm-hmm. Europe had a diaspora when America became America because they were economically for economic reasons, because they couldn't stay or economic reasons for growth. They came to the United States.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was a diaspora. We know that there was a Jewish diaspora um, because of the, uh, the historical um, components of their, their movement around the world. And of course the African diaspora, um, Movement because leaving Africa, forced, voluntary and involuntary, and coming into other areas of the country. And now there's a Caribbean diaspora movement because we've been in the Caribbean for almost 800 years, and now we're moving out to other areas as well. So that's why we identify a new diaspora within ourselves.
0: I see. Okay. So, um, one other thing oh, that it just came to mind, like so. You're, you have experience in studies in um, intercultural uh, conflict management. Um, can you give us some tips? I mean, like what what works, what has worked, you know, like a little bit, you know, like exactly. How, yeah, what uh, that that sounds like a, a major
1: uh, whew, a yeah ma-
0: major course
1: yeah, of study. Well, it yeah, well, it, was, it was pretty intense. So one of the interesting things is we as a society now we don't listen. We just don't. We hear something that will trigger us and we immediately go into hyper mode. And one of the things we need to do is take a deep breath, step back, and instead of challenging the individual, make sure you heard the correct thing. So the best thing to say is, well, did I hear you say? And repeat what they said. Give the individual uh, an opportunity to come back and make an explanation or to expound on what they said. Then you can interject from that capacity. What becomes problematic is we don't allow dialogue to happen um, on a on a level of a conversation anymore. We're always ready to go into attack. Example: um, someone might make um, a statement and it's not in alliance to your belief system, but there's no reason to attack them on a personal note if you don't agree with what they said. You. May not know that individual well enough to attack them with personal, but we immediately go into a personal try to hit that trigger. So the the easiest thing is to step back. I find that is very effective because if you want to piss people off, be calm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't, yeah. You haven't touched my buttons. You haven't hit my buttons yet. Sorry.
1: So be <laughs> calm. But if you look at it even from, and we're talking about from the ITEL side, the RASTA side, you don't ever hear a RASTA getting upset or getting in your face. We don't have to. Mm-hmm. We'll stop and we'll, we'll listen to what you have to say, and then we're going to say what we have to say. You either agree with me or don't. doesn't mean I don't have to love you as a human being or respect you as a human being. We just are in different places. But that's the aspects of consciousness. Your consciousness might be different from mine. It just happens that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. are not all the same.
0: Yeah. So um I, I some somehow I I the, the s- somehow I like that idea of livity, you know? I I um I, I see where it's been said that, you know, you can, you, you know, dead animals don't, you know, don't ha- don't increase livity, right? And livity yeah. sounds like, you know, life force to me, like it's like Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's
1: about life, li- a life force or life exchange. And so with that liberty, you, you really want to sustain and respect those that are living, which means that's any and all that has to absorb oxygen in order to sustain itself.
0: Hmm. Ah. So so liberty includes, uh, all, would, would include all species then? All species. Right. And uh, our L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest uh, includes uh, our one love for all species, too. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I think we're almost out of time, but um, was there anything else you wanted to mention or anything that we didn't...
1: well, we are excited about going to be there. Um, our team is—we're going to be there. We're going to be shooting. We're going to be talking to people. Um, the wonderful thing about our our um, magazine is not only a magazine, but it's a it's a media um, platform. So we actually will have the show on Tempo um, Media Channel, which is um, 5.5 million um, subscribers in the Caribbean um, and throughout the. Uh, the Americas. So we're really excited the fact that we're bringing to the table an opportunity for, um, not only for you to present information for, for our constituents, but we're able to present that to you as well. Um, because we're Caribbean and we have connections with so many of the communities throughout the Caribbean, we're just excited about being there with you and sharing this knowledge and, and let's just keep collaboing thats yeah, what it's about.
0: Let's let's collabo. Let's collabo. And everybody <laughs> at La, everybody at La Reggae Vegan Fest, really is a story. I mean, you know, when you come down to it, all the musicians, the vendors. I mean, it's just, you know, there there are so many stories there. But but tell me again about uh, so you're going to be there um, shooting live then? or You're going to be live uh, or uh, recording or going to um, be recording? Okay, recording. Um, and that, then there's... yeah, go ahead.
1: We're going to be recording, and then it will be on um, Tempo uh, Media Network, and we will, will let you know so you can let your audience know when it will be um, we'll be viewing on wow. the, uh, the channel. Yeah, so we're really excited about that.
0: That's great. And, and how many viewers, again, are uh, potentially? They have five,
1: uh, 5.5 million.
0: All righty. I guess I'm going to have to uh, wear some clean clothes that day, then. So, all yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like you run out of time. There. Oh, so I once did. I, I did a show um, with, uh, well, Dr. Antenna Roba, who's the president of the Na- International Fund for Africa, and uh, he's from Ethiopia, and uh, so we've uh, we've become friends, and he. Visited West Africa and was uh, well had had a very uh, emotional experience visiting the slave dungeons there and then recounted how uh, animal agriculture today just strikes him as the same thing as the slave dungeon So um, I said, you know there. There are things you have to say that people need to hear. So I, I created a show called Soul Food for Thought, and it was at the Herbst Theater in San Francisco and in a couple of other locations. And he spoke, Dr. Milton Mills spoke about the traditional diets of Africa. And we had a lot of great music, including reggae music. But I was producing that show, and, and just as the curtain was going up, it was like I'm, I'm still in a T-shirt, you know, I'm still like... Still working, you know. It's like, wait, I didn't have chance to take a shower or change clothes or anything. And the, the curtain's going up already, uh, and then as soon as the curtain went up, it was well, nothing else I can do now. It's
1: the show mm-hmm. is on,
0: so um, so I didn't leave to take a shower. I thought I should stay and watch the show, which I thought was really was, was great, and I think that L A Reggae Vegan Fest is really going to be great. So uh, we look forward to yeah. having you out there with your coverage and. Uh, we yeah. should definitely stay in touch and collabo.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, and collabo. Absolutely. Okay. So tell Absolutely. us again how
0: people might be in touch with you or uh,
1: become you with your to
0: magazine or
1: exactly. all that. You could go to Carib and we drop the E because people get confused when you put the URL in with all the E's. So it's C A R I B M E M A G dot com. You can find us on again. Spell, spell, Instagram, of oh.
0: course. Just, oh, just spell it one more time, please.
1: C A R I B M E M A G dot com.
0: Okay. Got it.
1: And right. we dropped the extra E because when, when we were typing it in, the E's were getting everybody confused.
0: Oh, yeah. And, well, I guess you're used to the double B's there, so that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't yeah. be too bad. <laughs> yeah. But so no, I, that was, bad, I was reading also, it yeah. as Carib B Me. I thought that was kind of like the. Um, what
1: cool. would... Well, there's only one B, yeah. So it's Career Bay, me, oh, Matt. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: So what I put in, I put in an extra B. Did I
1: do that? What? Ignore, okay.
0: ignore what I said. So uh, and then so okay. so there's the magazine and where else were you exactly. saying Instagram.
1: So, on uh, of course, IG, you know, Instagram, you can find us there. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn. So, the major social media uh, contents, of course, Twitter, you can find us there. All of it is Karibbe Me Mag. You can find us all on there. Um, and then, of course, on Temple Media Channel, if you have it at your local channel station, take a look. You'll see us be posted. That will be posting in the next um, few weeks. Um, the show, and you'll be able to see it on um, on the cable channel. So we're really excited about that. Um, also, we have um, if you ever want to do any marketing in New York, we actually have partnered with a British Caribbean company that owns a digital board on 42nd and Times Square.
0: Oh wow! Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. So that, that
0: could be cool. Well there are people who are calling me who who would like to have a reggae vegan fest in their area uh, people in, D- in DC and New York. New York is my hometown so uh, it would be great to be there with that at some point and you know just have this in a, a few uh, different cities uh, a, a few a year and uh, you know we can all live happily ever after uh, elevating our uh, livity.
1: Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly.
0: Well, uh, this, it's been great talking to you, Loretta, and um, I look forward to speaking with you again and well, keeping this discussion going and seeing how we can make the world a better place for everyone.
1: Yes. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Thanks for being with us today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. A lot of people don't know that ITAL is vegan and reggae uh, comes from ITAL. <laughs> reggae is vegan. You know, the, the people who uh, gave us reggae knew uh, that they should be eating from the earth, not the animals, not the secretions from animals. So Rasta, ITAL, vegan, reggae, vegan music and it feels so good right i mean what feels as good as uh, reggae music other than living vegan right okay well coming up on go vegan radio with bob linden another one of our great speakers coming up um of course if you're listening to this after october 7th one of our great speakers who was fantastic wasn't he Dr. Antenna Roba, the president of the International Fund for Africa, coming up next on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, our website is goveganradio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. On Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. And for your musical entertainment, we have our 24-7 Radio Bobby, radiobobby.com. And for our big event, it's La veganfest.com. You on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And uh, really, all, all that matters right now is uh, LA Reggae Vegan Fest.com. That's all that matters. That's the big event. That is um, this year's uh, big vegan activism, uh, once in a lifetime, first ever la reggae vegan fest and my next guest will be speaking there that's this sunday if you're listening before october 7th just before october 7th uh if you're listening uh after ah, was it a great time and antenna you were great your talks were just unbelievable so um So my next guest is a a good friend for many years. We go back a long way, uh, working together on numerous projects, and he's been on the show frequently, and Tanaroba, MD, is president of the International Fund for Africa and is from Ethiopia, where he is a hero, saving human babies and puppies and all kinds of animals, and very much in demand speaker. And, uh, Antenna, weren't you just, uh, did you say you were at some sort of UN commission talking about, and what, what, what's it called? Zo-
3: zootropic disease? I'm trying to remember what you said. It was. Zoonot- zoon- zoonotic, uh, zoonotic diseases.
0: Zoonotic diseases?
3: Yeah, diseases that are transmitted from animals to humans and then. Uh, there are also uh, the reverse where humans transmitted to animals in some cases.
0: Mm. So, um, we usually think of like uh, swine flu or bird flu, just, you know, staying among the birds, but uh, so it goes back and forth uh, between humans and other animals too, huh?
3: Yeah, certain diseases go one way, certain diseases go the other way, but um, it's mostly animals to humans, but... It does happen from humans to animals once in a while.
0: Mm-hmm. And when humans consume animals, oh, the diseases are numerous.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Uh, because of a lot of the problems we're sa- facing now with heart disease and high blood pressure and cancer and um, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, not to speak of you know other diseases uh more obscure but as deadly or deadlier like mad cow disease and others
0: we we haven't heard about mad cow disease in a few years uh is yeah. it a a, a well kept secret do you think think it's
3: out there or? of course yes it is um you know all of these uh people who are going who are becoming demented some of them are because of these diseases
0: like Alzheimer's uh, uh, you, you think uh, like Alzheimer's, right? so oh yeah, you
3: know, there are other versions of of dementia that are not Alzheimer's but but are nevertheless cause uh, dementia, you know that's Robin William died of one case of uh, dementia that wasn't Alzheimer's um, but it was a variant of uh, dementia. And there are so many others.
2: Hmm.
3: P- uh, Krusefeldt-Jacobs yeah. disease mm-hmm. is a form of uh, you know, um, a neurologic disorder that's uh, connected to mad cow disease. And there are others.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, people may actually be hearing about mad cow disease for the first time. Right now, listening to us, so um, you know, and it's certainly well hidden. I don't think the uh, uh, the meat industry, uh, the dairy industry, really want people talking about it. But here we are. So, I mean, what what is mad cow disease then?
3: It's it's
0: a form of
3: you know, uh, it's a neurologic disease that causes, among other things, dementia, and it's related to um, uh, consumption of uh, animals, especially you know uh, cows uh, that uh, have the uh, the uh, the disease uh, in in the meat that humans consume.
0: So uh, that's uh, what, isn't it like brain? What, what what I forgot what kind of meat it is? Isn't it like brain tissue or or what? What is it that? mainly carries it or uh, do you remember the what, well, the what do you mean well the, the parts of the body the parts of the animals that are known or prone to have the mad cow disease
3: uh, i actually don't don't know exactly what parts of the the hmm. animals bodies but hmm. i know that um you know when when consumed <laughs> they so can-
0: so it's a it's a protein, and these are called the proteins are prions and uh it's it's a brain wasting disease
3: basically oh absolutely it's it's a nasty nasty disease
0: and uh you you've been a Houston emergency room physician for many years, and now you have uh, practice in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, do you did you th- were you you think you were seeing cases of mad cow disease? I mean, the, were were you well, maybe Pro- not.
3: probably probably not. But, but basically, you know, mad cow disease is a neurodegenerative disease, and um, like you said, prions, or they are proteinaceous uh, infectious particles um, that are transmitted in causes what's called spongiform encephalopathies um, and it can cause you know progressive dementia so even psychiatric problems you know and memory impairment you know and other neurologic dysfunction like ataxia you know movement disorder um, and and so on it's it's a very very uh, nasty disease
0: mm. and uh, and there's... so
3: I, I you know when they come to the ER, um, you know, they're, to 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 pinpoint what kind of dementia that they have is really difficult. They come in, you know, with mental changes, and then they're admitted. And once they're admitted, it's a, it's you know, it's not an easy diagnosis to make. Yeah. Um, so it has to you know, it has to be worked up.
0: Yeah. And and mad cow though is is always fatal though, isn't it? That's a fatal disease.
3: Yeah, it's a progressive, progressively worsening disease. Hmm.
2: Yeah. So
3: so you know basically it's it's if you consume the beef of any, you know uh, contaminated with this this disease or even blood products, you can develop the disease. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be in any specific area of the body, it can be you know anywhere where the the encephalopathy is hiding basically. Hmm. I mean the the you know the prions are are situated.
0: hmm And uh, yeah, that, that's uh, from what I understand. Also, it can be dormant, so you know you could eat meat today and ten years from now uh there it is and you you don't realize it was the hamburger that you had and i, I also heard you could get mad cow disease from you know, one bite of a hamburger really it,
3: yeah it's just if you if if yeah if if the prions are in there yeah that's all you need it doesn't you don't need much to to get it and and you're right it can sit for a while for um uh, the prions can uh last up to a year in in somebody's body and uh, sometimes several years and then cause the problem. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, you will be speaking at LA Reggae Vegan Fest uh, this coming Sunday, October 7th, uh, right after Jamaica Bob's uh, children's show. So Jamaica Bob will be on from 10.30 to 11.00 and then you will be uh, taking center stage, um, hopefully helping the parents there with their kids to understand the, the health benefits of being vegan. And um, you know people should know that uh, you know, you've, you've been lauded as a hero in your home country of Ethiopia because of uh, your work with children, actually ch- children before they're born. it was neo- neonatal care, right? Wasn't that where you uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, and when uh, in 2000, 2008, to two thousand nine, when I went to Ethiopia, I, I uh, found out that um, uh, the uh, babies that are uh, newly born, especially those who who were sick, uh, and they didn't even have to be sick actually, but a lot of them who were who were sick would die because they didn't have the necessary medical care uh, for them to survive whatever problem they were facing. And so they were, they were, you know, they were dying Uh, and I realized that none of the hospitals uh, had any neonatal units. And so I um, decided to, to, uh, work with a physician who actually is, is a neonatologist, the only one that I knew of in Ethiopia that was a neonatologist, and she was a very, very brilliant, intelligent woman, very passionate, very caring, but she didn't have the medical equipment to save, like like simple things like incubators um, and phototherapy machines and, you know, all the things that you need to take care of um anybody for that matter um you can't do it in a vacuum so she didn't have all that so we hooked up and I uh, made sure um she, you know I came back to the US and um started working on getting donations and put some money of my own and asked some of my partners that I worked with to help me and I raised enough money to send you know uh, enough equipment to set up a neonatal unit in one of the hospitals, and once we we set it up, she went to work, and in in less than a year and a half, we were able to save three thousand kid uh, babies.
0: Unbelievable! Wow.
3: Yeah, and um, in fact, I took pictures with some of the. Uh, babies after they grew up, you know, when they were two or three years old, um, after surviving uh, the first year of life, which is a death sentence for a lot of kid, babies in Ethiopia. Um, and so, um, I actually, once I I uh, helped with one house, um um Another hospital that actually was a maternity hospital uh, asked me for their help. And so I went back again, came back to the U.S., um, got some money raised and went back and uh, had the second unit opened in the second hospital. And so we, we started uh, two hospitals with um, neonatal units for the first time. Uh, in Ethiopia, and um, they've been doing. And after that, other hospitals started opening up neonatal units. And so, you know, once once um, the trend started, uh, it continued. And I, I think now there are a couple of hospitals that have neonatal units. But when we first started, it was really bad.
0: Mm. Yeah, there were none. You were the first to bring those units there,
3: right? Yep, yep, yes, sir. So,
0: so, so... Actually, there are thousands of children alive because of you, because of, of what you've done there. They pro- and, of course, they probably don't even know it. Well, maybe some of them do, but, um, you know, they they are alive because of you. And I should tell all of them, by the way, Uncle Antenna wants you all to be vegan, you <laughs> know, <laughs> right? That would be nice, yeah. Uh, Uncle Antenna, you're alive because of him. He would like you to be vegan, please, kids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And how how did you go vegan? You're uh, from Ethiopia. You were a doctor in Houston. Uh, What what was it that uh, made you go vegan?
3: Well, it's 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 a long story, but to make make it short, um, in uh, 1999, I I adopted a little Maltese dog called Nakita, who I hadn't planned on uh, adopting. He just fell into my lap. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I really wasn't uh, a, a dog person. I really didn't care of, about animals that much. Um, and uh, he just, he, my my uh, sister who lived in New York uh, adopted him, but she couldn't keep him in her apartment, the, the, uh, the apartment building owners uh, would not let her keep him, and so she said, "Could you take him for for a couple of weeks till I find another place um, and you know bring him back?" So I flew to New-, New York, picked him up, brought him back, and he was living with me um, in Houston, and I really didn't have much time for him because you know he I'm you know I was. I was uh, party, partying too much. I, I had many other things on on my plate, and I the last thing I wanted to do is take care of a little dog. But you know what? With time, he grew on he he grew on me, and he you know I fell in love with him, and I, our bond got so strong that you know he basically I, anywhere I went, he was he went with me, and um, I learned a lot from this little guy, and you know changed. He changed my life, and one day I was, I was holding him in my hands. He's in he's, he's tiny, and I felt his heartbeat. And I don't know how and why I made the connection, but it just hit me. How come I love this little guy? And you know, I would, you know, I would protect him against anything. I'd give my life for him. And yet, you know, there are other animals that I very. Uh, much enjoyed eating and it just, it didn't make sense to me. Just it really that contradiction kind of bothered me and I started thinking about it. And, and at that time I, I, I started, you know, uh, going on the web and trying to learn more about, uh, this, this disconnect that I was experiencing. And, um, I read about um, uh, animal liberation by uh, Peter Singer or I saw the book online and you know it just made me curious so I bought the book and I read that book and that changed me completely I it just it, it was like it was like the most unbelievable experience that I've ever had this it was like it was like I was you know, I, I was transported to another dimension. I, didn't, I couldn't believe that I lived in a world that uh, was part of, you know, the, what, that was um, torturing animals and a world where there was so much animal suffering. And it, I decided uh, not to participate in it. So um, I stopped slowly, you know, started with meat, then with dairy. Um, cheese and finally fish and it took me a couple of months uh, but I stopped and I never touched it ever since and that was since uh, 2000 basically and all because of that little guy right yeah yeah and
0: uh, of course had your was it your sister who asked you to watch him was that yeah
3: yeah yeah, she yeah she she, she she wanted to take him back but by the time she couldn't find an apartment it took forever and eventually I said I told her look I, I can't give this guy back he's he's my boy now and she was she was cool about it she you know she hadn't spent that much time so she she hadn't really gotten attached to him as much and she was very nice about it and she let me have him and that you know he yeah. She became mine, but yeah, it was and had first she first.
0: had she asked you to watch uh, her baby calf or her baby piglet, um, you probably would have, you would have had the same reaction. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have watched them,
3: right? Because they're food, well, right? I, yeah, because 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 you know we're not we're not programmed to think like that. You know, I'd lived by then. I'd lived in the U.S. too long, and I know di- dogs and cats are cool. Other animals are not, you know, yeah. and so that that mindset was there. So, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I would have, I don't know. But, but right. plus,
0: yeah. But you know, of course, anybody who spends time then with uh, piglets or calves falls in love with them the way they uh, fall
3: in love with dogs,
0: and...
2: <laughs>
3: they're they they are identical. If you give if you spend time with them, there's no difference, none, right, right. None. yeah, none, yeah. But but but. Now I realize it, but you know if you had asked me b- prior to my meeting Nakita, I wouldn't have understood that you know mm-hmm. because you have to open your heart and your mind to allow these things to 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 sink in but if if you have if you already have preconceived ideas because you you've shut your heart and your mind and your eyes, then you'll never you'll never know. The wonders of you know uh, of the world and how these beautiful animals can be as loving and as you know uh, curious and as exciting and happy as uh, um, my dogs can be when they spend time with me and when they see me. You mm-hmm. know?
0: So yeah, I've <laughs> I've, been, I've I've babysat a chicken and that was you know I mean she you know if i would call her she'd come running and you know follow me everywhere and she's just great you know so um yeah our brothers and sisters what are we doing eating them i don't i don't understand you know and uh well uh yeah i really don't understand because it's uh you know hurts animals and you know so you know that, that 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 tears at your heart that it hurts animals and then the people who eat them wind up visiting you in the emergency room, and um, the uh, environmental devastation that results from that. Well, I mean, you you see that in your in in your home country there in Ethiopia too. It's all over the world. People are experiencing the devastation of eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. So, um, what have uh, have you noticed anything recently in in going back to Ethiopia regarding the environment? Anything? Uh,
3: Oh well, you know it's um, the weather changes. I mean, Ethiopia used to be; it's still relatively okay, at least in the capital city. But you know, when I when I was growing up, it was gorgeous, seventy degrees in summer and in winter. You know, the winters were um, short. You know, intense but short. Now you don't know if it's winter or summer so when. Some days, it's, when it's summer, you think it's winter. When it's winter, you think it's summer. Uh, the temperatures have risen. It's getting very, very warm, uh, even in, in in areas where they weren't before. Um, you know, and um, of course, outside of the capital city, you know, you're dealing with droughts and you know, a scarcity of water and and uh, people going hungry. So it's 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 a mess and it's going to get worse unfortunately
0: yeah and um, yeah and and actually from what I'm seeing from major studies it it could all be it could all be reversed I mean going vegan uh, if we all were to go vegan we would transform the world and actually free up uh, we'd free up enough land uh, the size of Africa. Actually, we, we use so much land for animal agriculture. We could actually uh, free up land the size of Africa and still feed the world. You yeah.
3: know, so. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, unfortunately, uh, we human beings are, you know, clever, intelligent, but we have no wisdom, and we're so short-sighted, and we focus on the. Things just right in front of us, but we don't think of the long-term consequences of what we're doing. And unfortunately, uh, generations after us are going to blame us for what we've done. If if there there will be any if, if there are
0: generations, you know, there's yeah. there's a mass extinction going on, and, and it, yeah. it it doesn't mean we're immune to it. We could be part of it. So uh,
3: we will be part of it. I mean, six the six. Uh, 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 extinction is upon us and it is, um, it, it will take us with it. I mean, eventually the extinction will include human beings. I, you know, I don't know when, um, sooner than later, the way we're going, um, but it's going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, there's nothing you can do because um, uh, we're, we're too arrogant and too stupid. Stupid to realize how short-sighted we are and how how we're destroying the planet. But or, or and, and, and do?
0: don't even recognize and don't know the solution even when you know everybody you know is against climate change. But. Uh... For some reason, the solution to climate change is hidden by the environmental groups. You you don't get the solution from Greenpeace or the Sierra Club or 350.org because they get donations from ranchers and the meat industry. Um, so the solution is well hidden. Everybody is marching against climate change, but they they well, really they really need to be eating against climate change by going vegan.
3: Yeah, but 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 Bob, I, I you know I, I kind of disagree with you when you say everybody is against climate uh the climate change uh half of the us population doesn't believe in climate change <laughs> yeah but no. but but even
0: those who do if the, if they don't know the <laughs> solution or or they don't participate in the solution they might as well not believe in climate change you know? no
3: that's yeah that <laughs> no that is correct i i agree with you but but it's it's even more uh ast- ast- you know uh surprising and more um you know just incredibly unbelievable that there are you know a country of the of the uh, you know the, the the United States a country that is industrialized highly developed its people very educated overall and and half of them don't even believe that climate change is happening I mean, to me, that is mind-boggling. And then, like you said, those who do believe that climate change is upon us, um, you know, are are not considering um, the effects of uh, animal agriculture and how how that's causing a lot of of the problems that we're facing. And and it's it's just mind-boggling. I can't begin to understand
0: well that that 's why we 're here that 's why we talk here that 's why we talk wherever we are. We talk at l a reggae vegan fest just to to let people know i mean the the study that just came out maybe a few months ago um, from uh, Joseph Poor. Uh, Oxford University, Queens College of Oxford University, I went to Queens College in New York City, Uh, not not the smart one at Oxford, Queens College of Oxford University, uh, came out with a study uh, related to the effects of uh, animal agriculture on the environment, and uh, Joseph Poore, and, and I interviewed him on my show a few weeks ago, I think it was episode 624, at the archives at goveganradio.com. But he said we would end the mass extinction by, by going vegan. If the human population were to go vegan, we would end the mass extinction. Like, who who's for mass extinction? Anybody here for mass extinction? No, you're against it. So all you have to do is go vegan. You know, I think a lot of people who are against climate change think that Oh, it's good. it's some tax scheme, you know, it's some you know some financial thing, which they always try to cash in with carbon trading and all of that. When the when the real solution is, we all have to go vegan. We all have to do our one seven billionth of a part. To do it, you know. So, yeah. um, I mean, if we're going to save Jamaica and the Caribbean, we have a reggae festival coming up. Uh, all of those instruments, all the, the reggae bands in Jamaica, those instruments aren't waterproof, you know. So um, we all have to go vegan because the ocean waters are rising uh, Arc- because the ice glu- ice cubes are melting in the Arctic and wherever. Well, the the,
3: the uh, Caribbeans won't be a, won't be around in a couple of. Decades the way we're going, you know. Yeah, the, the, yeah. You the know, islands. Cities. Yeah. Not not only the islands, even you know, uh, cities, major cities along the coasts. You know, Miami. Uh, right. Right. Houston, New York, Washington. All of these places are going. Right. To most of underwater. California.
0: Most of California. Yeah. And uh, oh. well, when I was saying the islands, I was I I was going to say you know Manhattan is an island also by the way so. Uh, th- there's your island, another island nation biting the dust, you know, and and creating refugee situations, and just all sorts of things that, and we have all these weather episodes. So it's time, it's it's time, and I, I think that, uh, well, just just the reaction I'm getting from people now to LA Reggae Vegan Fest, I think they, I think people are feeling, you know, it's time, it's it's time to do something, and and uh, reggae and vegan go very well together, um, as we will find this Sunday. And uh, uh, Dr. Roba will be talking there about health issues and other issues. Dr. Roba, the president of the International Fund for Africa, and the website is ifundafrica.org. And we're also going to do a a benefit dinner to try to raise some money uh, to pay for what we've spent at LA Reggae Vegan Fest, and so uh, Antenna will be with us at Rahel's Vegan Ethiopian Restaurant. Uh, let's see, where'd I put the address? I guess if I say it again, Google will eavesdrop. Rahel's Vegan Ethiopian Restaurant in Los Angeles. And uh, Google is always listening. There is. They're always. Raw Ethiopian Vegan Cuisine. See, always listening, always listening. Um, and that's at 1047 Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles, Rahel's vegan Ethiopian restaurant. And um, so what? what's some, what's, maybe people don't even know uh, Ethiopian food. What's some of our favorite vegan Ethiopian food, Antenna?
3: Oh, there's so many. Uh, we have churro, cook uh, Chiro, Kirk, uh you know, basically, all the vegetable groups, um, uh, beautiful, wonderful tasting salads, uh, lentil uh, um, stew. Um,
0: I, I and there's the so bread, right? The, 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 that that
3: bread, that special. What is it? Yeah, made made of teff, injera.
0: Yeah. Kef, is that K-E-F-F, is that what I, or,
3: no, K-E-F-F,
0: no? Hey, K-E-F-F, yeah, K-E-F-F, or what am I, am I, what am I, what am I saying wrong, Kef, Kef, Keff, Kef. okay,
3: Kef. So,
0: um. so we have an all-you-can-eat Ethiopian buffet, Monday, starting at 6.30, and, uh, I believe the information can be found at LA Reggae or at uh, GoVeganRadio.com or on our Facebook pages we have at reggae at vegan radio and, and what are what are your uh, social network uh, um, identifications, Antenna? What do you mean? Well, how do people find you on the social network? What do you have? Where are you? What? Uh, how do they find you? How do they contact you? Facebook,
3: um, uh, Twitter, yeah, face- website. Well, yeah, Facebook uh, is you know the best. Uh, antenna Roba, um, they can find me through Facebook, and uh, uh, the only other uh, the other way is you know via email. Or my uh, you know my clinic's website, so those are the choices. Okay.
0: Oh, and so uh, antenna roba is A N T E N E H, and Roba is R O B A. So yeah, you um, for many years were in Texas uh, uh, with the emergency room uh, there. Now you're in Fairfax, Virginia. What what are you up to lately? What are you, what are you doing there?
3: um i'm basically a, a solo practitioner i do um uh, uh anti-aging medicine and obesity medicine and you know some cosmetic medicine
0: mhm so uh so the v- the vegan part seems to fit in with the uh anti-aging and, and the uh and weight
3: Yep, yeah, weight management definitely yes yeah. Well, everybody,
0: everybody's everybody's concerned about weight. So, how does that tie in with being vegan? What do you, what do you see there?
3: Well, you know, obesity is a major uh, problem, not only in the U.S. It's 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 all over the world, even in Africa. Believe it or not, um, you know, the association anybody thinks of Africa, they think of hunger and suffering. Well. Uh, you know, those days are gone. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in some parts of Africa, but overall, African countries are developing, are getting wealthier. A standard of living is improving, and with that comes... um, McDonald's and KFC? You got it. You got it. I mean, like, if you go to Nairobi, for example, in Kenya, you would be surprised how many many fast food uh, joints there are U.S. fast food joints um, and South African uh, 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 food uh, establishments, you know, fast food establishments. So, with with uh, with uh, you know socioeconomic improvement comes this idea that you're supposed to eat a Western diet, Western junk diet, and eating animals uh, and uh, you know, uh, processed foods uh, is in. And so with that comes problems with uh, obesity. And because obesity is a multi, is a very, very complicated and multifactorial uh, disease process that um, ties in with about 35 other diseases or is, if not The cause uh, contributes to um, 35 other diseases, mostly serious ones, like diabetes, like high blood pressure, like hypertension and cancer, I mean uh, uh, heart disease. Um, It it is a big, big, big problem, and so uh, if someone eats a plant-based diet, um, they... The likelihood of them being obese, unless they're eating junk, uh, vegan junk food. If they eat healthy vegetarian, I mean vegan food, um, their ch- like their chances of uh, becoming obese is next to zero. And because of the types of foods that they eat, that are very healthy and nourishing, um, they they basically do not come down with uh, with all the nasty diseases that we see uh, affect afflicting people who eat animal products uh, because animal products are you know as far as i'm concerned very unhealthy and are the cause of a lot of the chronic medical problems uh, people are are you know experiencing so um if you if someone is vegan healthy vegan no BCD um very uh, very few chances of acquiring nasty chronic diseases uh tend to live longer and healthier lives mm
0: mm-hmm. well we're all for that so so uh let us uh, spread the word at LA Reggae Vegan Fest we're going to have a lot of media coverage out there um and a lot of people who have never really seen or heard the word vegan are, uh, you know, for the first time really uh, checking this out. I mean, people are going LA Reggae Vegan Fest, you know, and it's really um, going going to all, going around to all communities and uh, well, that's, the, you know, it's uh, people may think that this is like one of the best music concerts they've ever attended, but I have my ulterior motive here uh, for, uh vegan activism and it's going to be a blast so um so we'll look forward to seeing you this sunday october 7th at woodley park in van Nuys, um and we're there from 10 a.m to 7 p.m don't be late because antenna comes on after the kids uh show 10 30 to 11 um and he'll be uh, antenna will be dr robo will be on the main stage uh, at 11, and then at 11:30, he will speak uh, at our free college of vegan knowledge. We're we're setting up a um, an area open to the public, so uh, even if people aren't buying tickets uh, to come into our our music show and food festival. Um, we're going to have a lot of vegan information there for free and antenna will be out there with about a half-hour presentation free and open to the public that's just south of uh, L- l.a reggae vegan fest at woodley park section one woodley avenue just south of victory boulevard north of burbank boulevard and then uh... the following night monday we will be at rahel's vegan ethiopian restaurant Starting at six thirty, all you can eat Ethiopian buffet. So um, and uh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, no, I just want to remind uh, remind you to tell people that I. Monday night, I'll be talking about the our, my new book that came out.
0: Oh, that's right. I I'm glad you reminded me. Yeah, in fact, uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about it now, right? That's uh, we we have so much to discuss. We don't even get to. Oh, you have a new book that just came out, Antenna. Really? Okay. Uh, Africa and her animals. Tell us a bit about that.
3: Yeah. So um, um, a colleague of mine. Um, uh, from Houston, um, uh, Rainer Ebert uh, from Germany, who uh, did his um, a PhD in philosophy, and I decided that somebody had to write something about uh, the poor animals in Africa that nobody uh, talks about, and so we we decided to engage uh, people from multiple disciplines across Four different continents to contribute to this wonderful book. And we even got uh, J.M. Koitsi, the uh, 2003 Nobel laureate, to uh, to forward uh, uh, our book called Africa and Her Animals, a Philosophical and Practical Perspective. And basically, um, uh, you know, non human animals are essential to the everyday lives and well-being of Africans, Uh, they impact and are affected by African societies in diverse ways. Uh, In this book uh, our main uh, aim was to uh, investigate and analyze the moral, social, cultural, religious and legal status of non-human animals in Africa. So we had contributors from several Uh, universities in Africa, lecturers, uh, and also uh, activists on the on the ground, and uh, uh, people who are involved in animal uh, protection here in the United States, um, and uh, Europe, and uh, Australia. So it's an incredibly interesting book. Uh, It was printed by the University of South Africa, um, and it's out uh, and I'll I'll bring a copy to uh, the event uh, and if people are interested I can give them uh, information on how to get the book
0: terrific okay so we'll talk about the book on uh, Monday evening at Rahel's uh, vegan Ethiopian restaurant and you know uh, maybe Peter singer uh, should read that maybe Peter singer should read his own book and Maybe that would convince him to go vegan. You know what I mean? It's like, he, here it is. You are going. Wow, his book influenced me. I went vegan, and he's
3: not even vegan himself. You know, it's I, like what's going this, on? I <laughs> mean, this guy. This guy, honestly, you know, that book, Animal Liberation, changed so many lives for the better. So many, so many people like me who had no idea, no clue about how how much animals suffer on this planet. And this guy wrote this wonderful book, you know, it, it's not, it, you know, it's got its issues, and it's not, it's not a perfect book, but, but it's a, a true eye-opener for people like me when I and, start. And it,
0: and it was for me, too, many years ago, I mean, I, I don't remember, it seems like I read it decades ago, that I might have been in college, and yeah, it had an impact on me, and here the and, guy goes around
3: eating cheese pizzas, I, so I don't know what,
0: yeah.
3: I know, it's just, it's amazing, I mean. It's amazing the contradictions that exist and how, you know, how people of, you know, with that intelligent and, you know, with the, you know, the ability to process information and to really, you know, uh, transmit the, the, you know, in an, a very emotional and powerful way, the suffering of animals can, can, you know, Go around eating animals is beyond me. It's just, just I cannot, I cannot comprehend it.
0: It it just makes no sense. He's a, he's a total contradiction. Some might say hypocrite because you know, I mean, I I guess uh, his feeling is it's, it's if the animals have a halfway decent life, it's okay to kill them, but they never even have a halfway decent (laughs) life. You know, I mean, so that's part of the propaganda also. But you know, there's there's that hypocrisy everywhere from um, you know the, the spiritual leaders of the world, the Dalai Marianne Lama. Williamsons and the Deepak Chopras who aren't vegan, you know, the but, yoga practitioners who aren't vegan. I mean it's just it makes no sense. There's so much hypocrisy.
3: What about, what about
0: the Dalai Lama? He's another the, one
3: the Dalai Lama. Right. And he says and, and not only not only is a hip, he's a hypocrite and he eats animals. He's a liar too. He he tells when people ask him why he's not a vegetarian, he says, "Oh, my doctor told me I had to eat meat." Really? He
0: will get another <laughs> doctor. Get another doctor. <laughs> you but know. No, but
3: he's make, he's making it up. He's making it up. That's not that's right. Bullshit. What doctor
0: would tell him that? Right? You know, that's uh, yeah. he, he no, really does he, need another doctor. Oh, what? Are you, what, you, what? What? Oh, it was a joke. What, he really uh, didn't.
3: No what he's saying is he used to he used to be a vegetarian, and then his doctor said told him you you can't you can't continue to be a vegetarian you have to eat meat to stay healthy and so he switched listened to his doctor, and started eating meat that's what he said at at some point in the past I don't know what he's saying now right, but, you know, right. after that i I completely you know. I've I, I never lost I, respect,
0: right? Uh, this, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, of course, it's like compassion for all living beings except the ones I want to eat. You know, I mean, that makes no sense. And if he, you know, he should know that if, if his doctor is telling him to eat meat, to eat animals, he needs to get another doctor like Antenna Roba in Fairfax, Virginia. Come on, Dalai Lama, let's get with the but, program here.
3: But, but, I, I, I but, but, Bob, I honestly. I don't think that I. No doctor even said that. It's just his way of, you know,
0: oh, trying to right
3: his yeah. excuse, his
0: rationalization.
3: Just, he's just rationalizing, and he's being confronted by people who are, who are who are basically telling him, "Look, you're talking about compassion and love, and you know the pre, you know Buddhist precepts, and yet you're eating animals." And he's faced with this dilemma, and he doesn't know the only way he can. He can uh, find a way out of it is by telling. My doctor told me. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know. My
0: doctor told me. Is it okay? I mean, I don't really want to, but hey, my doctor told me. I exactly. That's <laughs> basically that's
3: what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'm, like, okay. I'm done with you, brother. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Well, compassion for all living beings, and he can't recognize, you know, who was on his plate. It makes. Yeah, and and there's so much of that that goes around, and and you know, um uh, the. um well, we have L.A. Reggae Vegan Fest and the Rasta Rasta uh, Fari culture out of Jamaica, which is vegan. <laughs> that out of the nineteen thirties, um, you know. So you know, if you're really Rasta, you're supposed to really be vegan because Ital is vegan, as our other guest on this program, Loretta Green Williams, is telling us. So you know, so
3: yeah, as far as I know, Rasta is are. Our- Vegan and more power to them. And you know, there's a big Rasta community in Ethiopia and Shashamane, southern Ethiopia, and it's a big community. And from my understanding, they, they no animals, none, zero.
0: That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the yeah. way it's supposed to be for all of us. So you know, yeah. All right. Well, we'll push it. We'll we'll, we'll keep it going. We'll get there. Uh, we're working on it. So, okay, Antenna, well, it's great talking to you again on the show, and it'll be great seeing you uh, uh, Sunday and Monday, so everybody come on out and hang out with Dr. Antenna Roba, and let's have a good time.
3: Good, good, wonderful. I can't wait to to be there, and... um... You know, participate in this wonderful event.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking forward to seeing you. So, okay, we'll uh, see you soon. And again, um, tell us again. Uh, so on Facebook, just go Antenaroba A N T E N E H R O B A, and we'll see you Sunday at LA Reggae Vegan Fest. Get your tickets now at La Reggae Vegan dot com. All right, our thanks to antenna roba and loretta green williams again we will be seeing dr antenna roba at la reggae vegan fest come early bring the kids kids 12 and under are free and the children's show with jamaica bob starts at ten thirty on the main stage dr roba will be talking about your kids going vegan and the benefits of that for them right at 11 o'clock on the main stage and then at eleven Dr. Roba will be talking at the Free College of Vegan Knowledge just south of our gate there uh, in Woodley Park in Van Nuys and people who are uh, paying ticket holders can go back and forth to the College of Vegan Knowledge, where we, the Free College of Vegan Knowledge, where we will have speakers throughout the day. Uh, that part of the park is open to the public. No admission necessary, no admission charge. Uh, we just want to get the word out about being vegan. Uh, day of uh, vegan education it's the free college of vegan knowledge and uh, a number of our speakers will be out there during the course of the day, Dr. Roba at 11.30 in the morning um, talking about uh, health and you know how going vegan is uh, healthy for everybody and then Monday night Dr. Roba at Rahel's vegan Ethiopian restaurant in Los Angeles 6.30pm all you can eat vegan ethiopian buffet he'll be talking about his new book africa and her animals and the environmental impact of the african-american diet on africa so all right well it's time to head out i can't wait to see uh well all the musical performers at la reggae vegan fest this is uh spectacular day of international reggae superstars. We have the Simpkin Project. We have John Mikey, Lamore and the Mystic Band. We have Sister Carol and Bushman and Maccabee and Glenn Washington. So... What a day. It's like the Woodstock of the 21st century. So I look forward to seeing you out there. Again, um, there are still discount tickets available if you're listening to this program uh, before October 6th. If not, uh, tickets at the door. See you there. Thank you for listening.